0: Tune in. Tone up. The one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques, and advice. With me, Gary Schillerday and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In episode 15A Dan and I look a little at theory again, specifically the benefit of learning scales on one string and the advantages of spending time gaining a good musical knowledge. Then we look at the Phrygian mode and also the Phrygian dominant which uses a major third instead of a minor third. To experiment with these modes we improvise over a backing track from YouTube. Following on from uh, what we've done on modes before, I think maybe we could look at the Lydian mode, Mm -hmm. uh, and also possibly if there's anything on uh, other modes or modes of the pentatonic, harmonic minor, maybe something a little bit more advanced. That would be great to look at. Anything you you did
1: mention as well, sort of like learning scales on on a single string. Yeah, that's certainly something that can be can be done, and maybe we should look at the the validity of that and how that might figure in our practice regime and this is probably going to be a little more of an advanced session i'm thinking yeah hopefully with something usable as well yeah last time we we looked at the modes that are kind of the the path most traveled by so we're going to look at some of the the modes that maybe we're going to use a little less i think most people gravitate towards the modes and the scales they find useful but it's always good to have a, a few other things you know lurking around that you can you can sort of stuff in the solo to, to kind of add a bit of interest now you mentioned about working out those scales on one string what would, what do would you think would be the advantage of working out a scale on one string as opposed to a number of strings
0: yeah i was thinking about this earlier we have talked a little bit about um, reverse engineering the scales so you can look at the intervals mm-hmm. and the intervals become really clear if you've just got the the scale or mode on one string you can really see where the semitones
1: and the tones and the whole tones tone and a half maybe even in in, in some respects you know often the piano I use as a good example of a very visual instrument everything's laid out for you Mm -hmm. and every group of 12 notes is identical to the next so you know regardless of what octave you're playing in it it doesn't really make too many odds really Whereas with guitar, while there is an element of that once you fully understand the fretboard, you do have to kind of go find. While there are repeats, things like the B string being tuned slightly differently, both things out, Yeah, everything else being tuned to a fourth, and then the B string being tuned to a major third, and then the E string at the top being tuned back to a fourth again. Yeah, it, it,
0: muddies the waters, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> it, it certainly do, it, it doesn't help when it comes to kind of finding your way around, and can certainly fray the edges of an innocent confidence cardy. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> Where I think the guitar is good though, is if we are looking at a scale. Let's take a scale, for example, C major on one string. <laughs> very easy to see that we've got a two fret jump between c and d yeah same between d and e or one fret jump between e and f two frets between f and g two between g and a another two between a and b and one fret jump leading us back to c yep so that would be a very good place to start if you were maybe trying to learn the modes i remember joe satriani saying either in an interview or a lesson, he said the ideal is that we know every note that's above, below, to the left and to the right, of the note that we are on, so the notes that surround the note we are playing, that are usable to us. Yep. Now, I, I realise not every guitarist operates like that. I realise guitarists work in patterns. But of course, the idea of the podcast, in a way, is to push these boundaries and get people thinking outside the box a little bit. Mm. A little a little information, a little theory, a little technique goes a long, long way. Yeah. We're not expecting everyone to become amazing virtuosos from this. We're just putting it out there and going, well, hey, here's some more information. If you want to do a little work and, and do a little digging, maybe these are some things that might help you. They've helped us.
0: Yeah, I um, it might be a nice place just to quickly interject before we get back to it uh, that we are really grateful for Horrendo Revolver and Gerard Johnson... Getting in touch with such positive comments, so it's nice to know that it's helping people out there, and people are finding it interesting. We're getting a lot of listens, which mm. is great, and also just to remind people about the website and
1: using that, and keeping an eye on all the links that we've got as well. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. And they made some some lovely comments uh, about the uh, practicing without a guitar in your hand. And the only reason I pass all the information on that I do is because. I know what worked for me. Yeah. And I remember the struggles that I had. I remember being the guy who knew a pattern and sort of found that if you duplicated that pattern higher up the neck that you could get away with it but not really knowing what I was doing and realising there was a mass of the guitar neck that I really didn't understand. Yeah. I played in bands from quite a young age, you know, from about sort of twelve onwards. I was playing in bands at school and within a relatively short time I was playing in a big band and I found myself playing jazz standards but I didn't know any jazz chords <laughs> so I found my you know ways of working around it and it wasn't until I really hit my mid-teens and decided that guitar was, you know, it, the bug had bitten yeah. that I really had to get this beast of an instrument under control that I really, really wanted to learn and I really, really soaked it all up but I found my own way ironically i went to some really great teachers and they really really were good guys i went to a guy called john thackeray down here in sussex hello john if you're listening great guy and i went to brian Kellner, who's another amazing guitar player and brian taught me absolutely loads but he also never spoon fed yeah ever i think he wrote me the chromatic scale does that count but he wrote (laughs) me one scale shape out in four years and a handful of chords But he really, really helped me. Because he said, you know, look, the information's out there. You know what to do. Go and find the information. Go and find out what the scale shapes are. Work it out for yourself. You're not stupid. You've got a pair of ears. You're a good guitar player. Go and do it. And that's how I understand how to do it. Because I've been down that road. Sometimes I think, and this is going to make me sound like an old git. Apologies, people. In this day and age, we live in an age of information overload the internet highway is full of advice good bad and indifferent even before that guitar dvds teaching dvds and all that sort of swamping the shops when i was 18 and we had vhs videos in a music shop that i worked in and and (laughs) they showed you how to play the guitar (laughs) yeah um but sometimes it's sort of information overload you know we can get spoon fed spoon fed all of this stuff but we're not really understanding what we're playing so we're playing but there's no backbone to it there's no understanding so if you were to ask someone what key is your solo in that you're playing i don't know i followed the tab well that's great that you can play that solo but you're not going to know how to play along with anything else yeah so actually having a musical theory a a bedrock of understanding that you have figured out yourself and figure it out in a way that you understand that resonates with you because that's what i did I got out a piece of paper and thought, okay, C major, that's my starting point, that's my, my benchmark, let's go with that, and then we'll see where that leads. And that's how we came to the, the last podcast.
0: And I've been looking at it, and I, I, I can vouch for, for the method as well. I mean, I, I do like theory, to be honest, so uh, that probably sets me aside from loads of people, Well, yeah. because uh, a lot of people probably find that quite boring, but I do quite like reading about it. But to read about it and to ride things out are two mm-hmm. different things, so... The
1: thing is, even if only one person listens to this podcast and goes away and learns the C major scale everywhere, that person's understanding and knowledge would have hopefully been assisted, and they'll know the guitar fretboard far, far better than yep. the next guy, even just by learning one scale, because if you can see where D is and you can see where C is, there's a damn good chance that C sharp rests between the two. So by learning one thing, you kind of feed the next, and and it gives you, you know, a better springboard of understanding. Yeah. Which I guess is why I was told by Brian to go learn the C major scale everywhere. It kind of makes a whole bunch of yeah, sense 30 years on, here we
0: so, are. So on one string, you've got the C major, and then you can change it for all the modes, and that's, yeah. a, that's an activity which I'm planning to do.
1: What I would suggest is that you try and find the modes from a number of different places. You know, just in the same way that you could you could have a C major scale here in the open position yep yeah. or yep we are
2: just work out again. same that
1: that's, that's string? Yeah. Yeah, see it, string same note starting every time starting third fret on the A now eighth fret on the E so on you know being able to kind of go from every different point that's something else you can you can do or sort of learning the modes and then learning the notes from that mode over a couple of strings so you've got something usable then that you could use for a lick I have
0: actually been doing that Ah, I've been he's um, he's ahead of the game I've been taking uh, yeah no you you, you're quite like this and maybe people out there will take this as an exercise as well, but what I've actually been doing is playing the C major scale there. Then going Dory. Then going frigid. And so on, and then, second I finish with that, G. Yeah. So I'm doing this, and then D. And I've been trying to call out the notes a bit as well while I do it.
1: It's all helping people, Try it <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a funny thing is not it? It, it it is one of those things that gradually opens up It's like learning to read and write in a way it's yeah these are your your basics your basic tools which enable you to say something on the guitar you know if you don't feel you need that vocabulary if you're maybe doing a form of music where you're hammering the guitar in a different way and that speaks all you need to say like the Kurt Cobain kind of thing then that's cool too you know it's about the kind of vocabulary that you want on the guitar you know if you're doing jazz fusion or something like that you're going to need as pretty much as wide a vocabulary as you can possibly get both rhythmically and note wise when it comes to you know playing on a pop track you're going to have to have a, a real good sense of kind of what doesn't interfere with the vocals and kind of what makes the track kind of rock along and groove and what makes people's foot tap what makes people want to get up and dance you're playing kind of a heavy rock track you want something where the, your rhythm playing is nice and tight and, and your lead playing adds a dose of, of excitement and explosive quality to the track every different kind of musical genre requires a different approach and there is still that thing after learning a whole bunch of stuff there are still some guitar players, like Mark Knopf was probably one one of the, the guys, who can play Dave Gilmore and no, who can play a handful of notes, if that, and they're just bang on. And you go, do you know what you've just said? You know, what's taken me 500 notes to say you've said it two? <laughs> There's room for everyone in that equation.
0: What What is good is, and maybe I'd encourage people to listen to another podcast as well, Low Guitar Is Safe by Jude Gold his interview with rusty cooley's really reaffirmed a lot of the things that you've said mm. as well particularly on the rhythm talking about rhythm coming first that came up really strongly out of his interview and also talking about learning lots of styles i mean he's a proper metal shredhead, mm. but he was talking about wanting to be able to play fusion mm-hmm. because that would bring stuff to it and he, he did say at one point if you want to get get paid in music or guitar playing then the people that get paid are the people who can play lots and lots of different styles
1: lots of different styles and you you know and also you know writing as well being able to write a lot of people are probably not aware that john five quite a well-known rock rock player but he also does a lot of country stuff he used to play with married manson and uh, he had his own group as well which i think were called loser or something like that but great player awesome player you know his country stuff and his rock playing is astoundingly good but how he used to pay the bills was he was a staff writer for a big record company right so he would sit there churning out pop songs and stuff and that's kind of how he got his foothold in music and did it for a living and then joined Marilyn Manson brilliant yeah (laughs) you you know you just to just rock the room yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) you know but that's that's how he put food on the table I think he was a staff writer for EMI or something like that one of these guys who's basically he's on a payroll just to write music yeah that's all he does can't be stressful for me <laughs>
0: I don't know about so, you, <laughs> you, you know, to do
1: that you've got to have a good understanding of different styles a good understanding of what works yeah there's lots of different kind of aspects to music and, and all of this theory stuff is really really useful but as I say it really depends on the player yeah. as to how much they want to apply how deep they want to dig and what they want to do so what we're going to look at, I think, is some of the the path less travelled by modes. Yeah, okay, great. So we're going to look at some Phrygian and Phrygian Dominant. Now I'm going to explain the basic difference while my computer here is getting its stealth together. The Phrygian mode is the third mode of the mode scale. Now if you play Phrygian just as it is, so like, say, E, get old E. If we were to play... The Phrygian mode, it'd be like C major. No flats, no sharps. E, F, G, A, B, C, D, E. Now, if we raise the G to a G sharp, we get Phrygian dominant. Okay. We're gonna go for Etrusian metal backing track. Cool. Cause yeah, we're such metalers. <laughs> me with me no hair instead of me long hair.
0: <laughs> me with my mop. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a mop. My, my Noel Gallagher. Mop. Nice little chromatic thing you did in the tavern. Oh, I'm (laughs) trying. I can't remember what I did (laughs) last (laughs) year. Got to do some work on my uh, tapping technique
1: at some stage, that would be uh, <laughs>
0: really helpful.
1: I didn't have a particularly metal sound there, but you get the idea, it's all a bit Jack the Ripper. Um, yeah, yeah, all <laughs> a bit
0: Jack the Ripper.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. when we're playing shredded wheat, shredded wheat, that's <laughs> the one, yeah, really shreddy grow. So when you're playing e Phrygian or any Phrygian for that matter, okay, they can be applied to any style, but you do hear a lot of it in the kind of metal thing. And you hear there, like, the Phrygian dominant kind of works a bit better.
0: What I noticed I, while I was playing was it sounded like the G was wrong if I played the G-sharp straight before it...
1: There were chord changes in there, and so I was trying to sort of semi idea to that. OK. If you know what I mean. But okay. the G-sharp added more flavour. If I play it without the G-sharp... Works a over a kind of Spanish as well, doesn't it? That kind of... <laughs> right yep. yeah <laughs> Bridgian's one of those it's ones you do one. come across a load, a whole bunch in it in that particular style. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's sort of good to know.
0: Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals, and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs, and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do, and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them.